Welcome to TSO Consulting Group's DEI podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I am Erica Lee. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I'm Erica Leek. And this is our podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadows of Resistance. Our new series is about justice for all. And today we have, as you can see, a special guest. Yes, we do. Yes. This is our friend, Curtis Myers, and he's a founder and CEO of Aspire Youth Development. And we're just going to ask him to talk a little bit about, you know, the work that he does. And we're going to talk today about workforce equity. Thanks, Erica. Everyone, my name is Curtis Myers. I'm the founder of Aspire Youth Development, as Erica said. I started it in uh, 2003. Um, at the time, I was uh, in the youth development space, and I wanted to have a little bit more autonomy with some consulting work. So I um, began Aspire to kind of bridge the gap in some of the, the areas where I saw that uh, young people weren't being served well, specifically around leadership development, and it kind of morphed into doing some work around workforce development over time. Mm. We'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, how those young people weren't being served well. So what were some of the things that you were seeing that really kind of pricked your heart, if you will? I think for me, it was looking at how we prepare young people for the future um, in terms of looking at the unique makeup that they bring to the table and right how do we speak to them in those ways and then how do we design uh, engaging trainings that really speak to their different uh, learning styles so for uh, for instance for us we really focused on a lot of experiential learning a lot of reflective learning small group learning less lecture style learning and so that's kind of how we set up our leadership training so you can teach a young person leadership principles with a powerpoint or you can teach them through a powerpoint with an activity and then with them kind of reflecting by themselves and then also having group sharing. And so that's kind of was kind of our methodology. And um, we started that work and just kind of evolved um, working with some critical partners in schools, uh, government organizations, workforce development boards. And that kind of led itself into, can you do more to prepare young people for the world of work? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we got into more of the workforce side. Mm -hmm. So when you um, get your, your students, like the mm -hmm. young people, are they referred to you from schools? Are they referred, like, how do they, how yeah. could they be a part of Aspire? So right now, we have two major programs, um, the Young Parents uh, Career Exploration Program, and then also our Young Adult Career Initiative. And both of those are federal WIOA-funded programs. So the young people that are in those programs have to meet a special eligibility criteria. So there's like six criteria. They have to be either a school dropout, somebody who's pregnant or parenting as a young adult between ages of 16 and 24. They can be a young person who has a disability, a physical or learning disability, somebody who's been involved in the court system, somebody who's been involved in foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we do is we reach out to the people who can speak to those audiences. So obviously school guidance counselors refer us young people who either have dropped out, who are unemployed or underemployed, and they graduated in the last year or two. 
We have probation officers who say, hey, I have a young person who's on probation. They need some help kind of getting into the workforce, getting prepared for it. And so probation officers will refer stuff. Um, DCPMP will refer foster care students and foster care young people. So we look to specialize people who, who know that audience, who would have those relationships. And then also just talking to young people so that they now refer their friends because thank you for helping me kind of get my high school equivalency. Thank you for helping me get my first uh, you know, job. And now I'm going to tell my friend about it as well. I, I love that the youth that you are reaching out to are, are predominantly those who are at the margins of society. Yeah. You know, those who society might turn their backs on, um, might stigmatize, you know, might discriminate against. Um, and I, I just think that what you're offering just sounds like something that says, listen, I see you, mm -hmm. you know, I see you young person, you know, yes, you may have some situations in your life that may make it more difficult for you, but you're still valuable. You're still mm -hmm. worthy. It's still important that you have the skills that are necessary. Talk to us a, a little bit more about, you know, um, some of the, the specific work, even if you have like a success story that, mm -hmm. you know, that you'd love to share, that'd be great to hear. Yeah. So I, I think when, when I think about the work that we do, right, it's helping the young people realize potential that they did not know they had, mm, yeah. right? So oftentimes the young people that we have been, um, by the grant guidelines, they use terminology such as at risk, but I don't really believe in that because I think all our young people are at risk, mm -hmm. right? So some of these young people have just had to overcome greater trauma mm -hmm. than maybe other people, but they have to be equipped. So I think about this one young lady who, um, you know, she's very difficult background and um, young mom, but she wanted to do better for herself, but she needed the guidance. So when she was in school, she had a guidance counselor, right? Who would kind of help map her path for her to some degree if she took advantage of it. But once you leave the school setting, who is that for you? Right. So that's kind of where our team, our, our, our care and case managers kind of support the young people. Like, let me help you think of a, a plan for you that's specific to you. So here's how we're going to work with you. Here are the barriers that you see in your life right now. Here are the strengths that we know from talking to you, right? So let's see, and here's where you want to go. So how do we kind of put all those together? So I think about this young lady who wanted to get into the medical field mm -hmm. but did not know how and what so we uh, exposed her to some different training opportunities and she actually went into a phlebotomy training mm -hmm. now honestly i didn't know what phlebotomy was <laughs> right and i found out like her you know my staff was telling me you know this training that she could go through and it was the people who draw blood and do all that kind of right. stuff in the hospital I'm like yeah you got to get certified to do that mm -hmm. it was only a few months of training to become certified take the test and you're now certified. And she was able to get a job, excuse me, making like $25 an hour at Cooper Hospital. Mm, awesome. So like no student loan debt, right? Yeah. Um, a short term commitment to kind of get her started in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And then if she wants to then pursue a college to become an, you know, an RN or LPN, she can do that. But at least she's in a job in the career field that she wants with a wage that can kind of help sustain her as she makes other decisions. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's what we really want to do. I, we know that there's kids that come to us and say, I just want to get a job in McDonald's. And I'm like, that's fine. But how do you become a manager at McDonald's? How, how, do, you, how do you move forward? How do you use your time at McDonald's to develop these skills that might get you into a different culinary opportunity? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we look at it. Yeah, yeah. When we think about like equity and access and fairness and opportunity, like. Where do you see clearly when kids come to you like they're missing 
one or all of those pieces. Like, where do you see the breakdown? Like, where do you, why don't they have that already? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the times when I think about the young people that we serve, they often come from situations and experiences that are beyond their control. Mm, right, like, I can't right. control that you know, I was in foster care, right? I can't control, um, you know, maybe that I have this diagnosis, whether it's mental health, physical, you know, disability. Um, and sometimes some of the environments that they come from have led them to make difficult choices. I remember specifically one time I had a young man in my office and he was waiting for the case manager to meet with him and he was just talking and he said, uh, yeah, I had to go help my father um, clean up the blood. My, my, uh, my brother was shot in his barbershop. Mm. And he said it just like that. No feeling, no emotion. And I, I was like shocked. I'm yeah. like, how do you go through that and you're still here for an appointment? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just talking to some of these young people and their stories, I feel like I think it's too easy for people to look at people on the margins and say it's their fault. Mm -hmm. Is there, you know, they caused it as opposed to seeing there's some things that are just outside of our control. Even when a young person drops out of high school, sometimes it's just other things that are really impacting them. And if we can get, you know, I think now we're moving more into that trauma informed care. So yeah. people are starting to understand that a little bit better. But there's so many things that impact young people that um, I think we just kind of just kind of push under the rug, like just, you know, hey, just and still succeed. I'm like, no, that's tough to bounce back from that stuff. And it takes, uh, you know, just takes some extra effort. But I think it's a as a society, it's it's a good investment. Interestingly enough, this um, and this is not a political statement, but this uh, WIOA Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act was one of the signatures of the Obama administration, mm -hmm. because the, the philosophy was if we invest some money in our most marginalized young mm -hmm. people, ages 16 to 24, who have these challenges, we can help break the cycle of poverty mm -hmm. and then their dependence on the system. So we're going to invest some dollars now that's going to save us money later. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was such a wise use of federal dollars and mm -hmm. policy decisions mm -hmm. because it's it definitely is uh, you know being a uh, uh, spending a little bit now that saves you a ton of money later. It's preventative maintenance mm -hmm. um, for society, for our federal fiscal policies and everything else like that. So Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you you said that cuz you're really talking about systems and some of the systemic oppression that the young people have experienced, but then you see where there's a remedy, you know, that um, it, with the program that you just mentioned or the policy that you just mentioned um, to addressing some of those systemic issues that the young people are experiencing and have come out of and that have created challenges for them or, you know, put barriers in their way or made it very difficult for them to access the opportunities that, that you, um, that you that your organization offers, you know, talk a little bit more about you know that systemic piece. And I, I love what you also said about, um, you know, invest. It's an investment. It's an investment. Yeah, it's yeah. not a cost. It's an investment. Mm -hmm. So I think when I think about the different systems, um, the systems oftentimes work well for a large group of people, mm -hmm. right? So the typical educational system works well for. 75% of our young people, right? I can, I can, I have a family that makes sure I get up, I can get to school, et cetera, et cetera. But what, it, what does it do for those families, for those young people who are outside the margins, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it just takes the, the effort of a few to kind of like, well, we can tweak this, right? We, we've got to have some grace for this because while this policy makes sense, 
for 75% of the population, this 25% is a pretty decent amount. And so we need to think about where is the gaps, where are the changes, where's the flexibility that we can have. Even when I look at court-involved kids and you see like the the challenges that happens when somebody gets a charge and how that charge sticks with them. So there, there's going to be an expungement clinic on Thursday that our team will be at, uh, bringing young people to help them understand like how to get some of these things off you. Because once you've got to check that box, mm -hmm. like yeah. I get it. If you're an employer, you want to make sure that you have certain types of employees and, 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 and certain safety measures. But I think the challenge is sometimes somebody's one decision shouldn't have to shape their lives. Yes, right. And so that's a systemic issue that we got to think, you know, how do we how do we do that? I, I remember as a professional working in Camden City, um, and this is one of those experiences that really bothered me. We we wanted to hire folks from the community. The large nonprofit that I was working for had very clear policies about background checks. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's fair. I said, but we would not if anybody had anything on their background checks, they were basically, we can't hire you. Mm. And I was like, man, if we're gonna work in the city of Camden with so many young people and, and people who've just been impacted by the, you know, the justice system, we're gonna have to tweak that. Yeah. And so I had to literally challenge HR to say, I think we've got to come up with some other standards, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I had to advocate for what if there's letters of support? What if there's context? Mm -hmm. And I remember this one person that we hired who was exceptional community leader had a definite past, but it was their past. Mm -hmm. And they more than made amends for it. They've been uh, critical in the well-being of that community. I said, having them in our organization would be an asset. Mm -hmm. And um, so I literally had to get a, layer, a letter of recommendation from somebody pretty high up in the government, which was kind of embarrassing, but it made my, my point was this person is worth it. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, you know, look past some of the systems that have been set up to protect, but also keep others out. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that tension mm -hmm. and be able to see people as people? Um, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah, I, I love the idea of addressing barriers because I think sometimes we don't realize um, when you think about systems, we don't realize the barriers to success that significant numbers of the population actually have. And so you talked about, you know, kind of like the background check and what we do with the background check mm -hmm. um, as a barrier in the work that you do. Can you also talk about some of the other barriers that you help young people overcome? Uh, so I'll give you a simple one. So obviously in Burlington County, it's a very large geographic county and we don't have a good public transportation system, mm -hmm. right. suburban yeah. community. So if your parents drive or your parents have a car they'll let you use, you can get around. Mm -hmm. That's a big if, That's a big right? <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we've had people say, well, just give them a bus pass. Great, makes a lot of sense if you live on the bus route right. and if the bus route goes where you want to go. So how do you overcome that? So we've done stuff like, hey, we've advocated and used Uber and Lyft mm -hmm. for some of our young people to get them the critical appointments. We've, um, you know, everyone has, you know, moved to the virtual world since uh, the pandemic, but we were using Zoom before the pandemic mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what are some of the things that we can do in person. So you can come to our office for this workshop on financial literacy, or you can log in 
this way. And so we'll, we'll make sure you have a laptop and a hotspot. Uh, we'll do those things to overcome those barriers because you can't assume that everyone's got technology at their home. You can't assume that everybody's got Comcast or, you know, this or that. Like, you just don't know. And sometimes some of the solutions are simple. I remember this one young man, he had a, a job, a good job at a distribution center. And uh, he had people who there who were willing to pick him up, co-workers. They didn't have to pick him But um, the getting back was the problem because the shift ended earlier. And he said... I, if I just had a bicycle, I could bike from the bus stop. I said, that's all you need? So $86 will make sure that you can keep this job? Mm -hmm. It was an $86 uh, payment to Walmart to get this young man a bike that helped move his life forward. Wow. So it's about thinking about, yes, the, the system, the transportation system is good for some. So how do we fill those gaps for those that's not? So let's figure out those things. I think that's the mindset when we are trying to uh, really move people forward. Mm -hmm is, you know, not all systems are bad, but the way systems can be implemented um, and the way they can be rigorously defended will keep people out yeah. just by their existence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I love how you describe that. And I also like how, you know, you, you know, using partners like, you know, Uber, for example, to mm -hmm. provide access for, um, you know, some of your young, young people to get back and forth to work. Um, I know there's probably a lot of other partnerships, you know, like you, your organization does a good portion of that work, but I imagine that, you know, it's not all on you. So can you talk about some of the collaboration and the partnerships that happen with, you know, other organizations? Yeah, I think for us, collaboration is key, right? We can't do the work. We can't help move the, the needle in the lives of these young people by ourselves. It's too big of a push. Sure. And so for us, we partner with organizations like uh, Rowan College of Burlington County. Instead of us offering uh, high school equivalency classes, we actually send the young people to RCBC or to Bordentown. They have an evening program or Helms Academy. They've got it online. So we have three partners to help the young people with their um, high school equivalency. We partner with other businesses to give young people um, subsidized work experience. So if we have somebody who's never had a job, they have to get work experience. So we'll say, hey, listen, we will pay their wages for eight weeks if you would just give them a job and kind of just intern them, you know, kind of help them get familiar. So we even like our next door neighbor, IV physical physical therapy they're like hey man we'll give a kid a chance and so a young person was able to work there and see what does a physical therapist do all day and and get some experience and get used to showing up on time and filling out time sheets and all the things that you can talk about in abstract but you've got to have the real world experience uh, and so somebody can say hey um, this young person can do it so between the the, the businesses between the um, uh, the educational institutions are big partners for us for services, training providers. So, you know, young people can get uh, certification training from, you know, BCIT, Merit Academy, all these different places. So we literally, I, I think the way I think of Aspire, when I talk to young people and I think about our program, I said, we're a hybrid between um, your high school guidance counselor and your nagging aunt. And so the reason I say that is a high school guidance counselor will kind of give you a roadmap. Hey, you've got to turn in your applications by this date. you got to take the SAT by this date. Your nagging aunt is the one that says, boy, what you doing? Stay on top of that. Right, right. And so our staff kind of says, let's come up with a roadmap together. And let's, let me help you identify who can help you. Mm -hmm. Let me introduce you. And then let me stay on top of you to make sure that you're doing those things. Mm -hmm. So it, we don't just say, hey, go over to RCBC and enroll in ABE. Say, listen, let's get on the phone. We're going to call Ms. Val together. Yeah. 
We're going to make sure you know your schedule. And then I'm going to check in with you every Friday and check in with Miss Val to say, hey, he missed two sessions this week. What's going on with that? You know, we're going to connect you with employers that we know um, and introduce you to others. We're part of the Chamber of Commerce. And so trying to just get you in front of people uh, to move you forward. So partnership and collaboration is critical. We do not we probably are we're probably more like a good point guard we don't score a lot but we keep the ball moving that's great that that's what we try to do yeah no that's good when you think about like success mm -hmm. um what are some of your like how do you know when that this is working like yeah. what are some of your measures of success so we have very clear um success measures from the um the grant right from the grant side right they basically there's three three things they're measuring us on. Did the young person have a job and they kept it for 90 days? Mm -hmm. Did the young person get into a certification training or enroll in college, so something that's post-secondary that could increase their earning potential? Or did the young person join the military, so they've got a career pathway for success? So those are like the big bucket measures. But to me, I, I always tell our staff, can we find the small victories? Sure. Mm -hmm. Like So to me, the small victories are like, hey, his attendance went up. He only missed one day of class mm -hmm. this week. Man, mm -hmm. celebrate that. Mm -hmm. You know, this this young person um, completed six applications. It was hard to get you to do one, but you did six. Like, mm -hmm. celebrate that. Mm -hmm. If you do six, you're going to get a job. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, you know, so it's looking for those small wins to just encourage them to keep making uh, steps towards the big picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, as an entrepreneur, we know that it's it's a lot of work, mm -hmm. you know, um, to become an entrepreneur. And sometimes the pathway for young people is not the traditional pathway of finding a job or going to school or going to the military. Sometimes it's starting their own business. Mm -hmm. So if you were to advise a group of young people around like what they can do to become an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur like yeah. you, or like us, <laughs> uh, what would you, you know, what, how would you advise that young person? So we, we do two things. Number one, we, all our young people are offered the opportunity to go through the Build Ed training program, which is a, a training that talks about how you add value to build entrepreneurship. Wow. So the idea is learn, learn what it means to build value. You can practice building value by your job, but this will teach you how to, how to build value to create a business if you're mm -hmm. interested. Mm -hmm. We then also will connect them with resources at like Rutgers Small Business Development Center, Rutgers Camden, SBDC. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we encourage entrepreneurship. That's actually one of the 14 elements that we are prescribed to uh, offer the young people. So with our funding, there's, it's like a buffet. You got to offer these young people these 14 dishes and hopefully some of them will, they'll stick with, but, but, but entrepreneurship is one. So I think number one, find your passion um, and then work your passion hard and learn how to monetize your passion. Mm -hmm. Because I know for me, you know, I was a youth serving professional for a number of years, works at some big nonprofits, had some decent roles. But when I started Aspire, which was just my part time thing, which is something I did by accident, but it's actually the best way to do entrepreneurship, right? Build it when you don't have to um, eat off of what you create. So for years, I was able to build Aspire, build my reputation, build my brand, build relationships while I worked for another organization. And so when it was time for me to uh, move into Aspire full time, I didn't, I wasn't starting from zero. Yeah. And I had, you know, and I didn't need the, the money. I had already invested the money in Aspire. So 
um, I could then, when I needed to draw the salary, I could. Mm -hmm. Often when times with entrepreneurs, people have a great idea and they think I should go into business. And I'm like, no, you got to develop that idea. You got to start bringing that idea to life because whatever you, it's going to cost twice as much as you think. It's going to take twice as long to do it. Mm -hmm. And so until you start doing it, um, it does, you know, you're going to struggle. Like I didn't have to take out um, any loans, you know, any SBA loans, though I do have a lot of credit for my bank and certain things like that. But because I basically worked part time in Aspire for about 10 years. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it was very, very part time. People would call it a side hustle. But I was thinking further. I just didn't know how when it would happen. And then when it happened, when it was time to leave my um my other full-time employment, like I was, you know, mentally ready, but I physically, I fiscally understood the business enough mm -hmm. and uh, God's grace was good. Just opportunities began to come, but, um, and, and it's still built slowly. So right now we have a team of eight full-time staff, but in 2014, when I went full-time, it was just me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and it's been a, it's been a great, a great ride. Uh, but when I think about, you know, in 20, 2003, I started because one of my school relationships said, hey, you know, the person that, that, that has your role in this other organization, they don't do the leadership training. Can we hire you as a consultant to do leadership training mm -hmm. with our young people? So it was it was literally bit by bit, mm -hmm. like, and then now we're we're doing fairly well. It's mm, a great model. Yeah, it's wonderful. And so something that we talk about a lot, mm -hmm. I'm just curious about um, with, with you. Um, so we do a lot of work in the business, mm -hmm. right? Like doing the work. But we often talk about like wanting more time to work on, on the, the business, business, right? Mm -hmm. And so could you talk about a little bit about um, how you manage that? Yeah, I had to learn that um, I had to make an investment in my ability to work on the business. Mm -hmm. So I actually joined this group called the Alternative Board, which is a group of business owners that meet and talk about their businesses. So it's basically like a, a small group that talks about like, here's my challenges and we bounce ideas off of each mm -hmm. other and it helps us. It's like a mastermind group. Yeah, and it really helps you think strategically. And then I meet with a job, uh, a coach who really just says, let's talk about Aspire. Let's talk about your plans for the future. Let's talk about how your strategies of how you get there. I think it's hard to do because you can get caught up into like the minutia of what you have to do. But as uh, leaders of, a, of any organization, you know, the, the captain has got to be able to understand how to steer the ship, how to hoist the sails, how to, um, you know, uh, use the oars and everything else. But ultimately, this captain has to be able to sit on that top of that deck and be able to command and see stuff. Um, and so that's the hard part. Like, yes, I take out the trash almost every day at my office, but I also spend that time with strategic thinking, like what's next, what's the next RFP, what's the next direction that we want to go. And so for me, one of the things I've been working on is, for example, is while we offer the services that we offer are phenomenal for the at-risk population or what folks call the at-risk population, but it's the, the trainings and the content and what we offer is for every young person. Mm -hmm. My daughter's included. Like, Getting young people prepared for the world of work is not as simple as I did good in school, now right. go get a job. Like right. you have to understand time management, you have to understand emotional intelligence as it deals with your workplace, your professionalism. And, you know, you'd be surprised what people will post on Facebook about their employer and not understand why that's not a good idea. Right. Yeah. Right? right. You understand? Like, I get it. You're allowed to say this to your friends, but you can't say this at work. Right. You can't. Yeah 
text. I mean, you can't write emails at work with text language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, how are you doing with it with an R? Like that's not, right. that's fine <laughs> texting with your friends, but that's not professional right. that's communication. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's all those kind of skills that like, how do you transition from the academic world to the real world? Yeah. Um, so now we're like positioning ourselves to talk to companies to say, hey, we want Aspire to help us recruit our entry, um, our young talent and prepare them before they come into our company. So that's kind of like the direction I've been working on and saying like, yeah, this, the stuff we do, it helps everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Financial literacy, you know, balancing your budget, all that stuff like every young person needs that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about is really creating an environment of, that provides access, Yes. you know, access to the opportunities that otherwise might not have been available to these young people because they are the ones that tend to be at the margins of society. Absolutely. So, you know, like you are a part of the solution, you know, like your organization is a part of the solution to the inequities that exist in society. And, and we're grateful for that because we talk about, you know, the inequities in society all the time and, and in every, you know, every avenue and every aspect of society. And so when we think about, you know, justice in the workforce, you know, it sounds to me, and I, I think that Erica would agree that that Aspire is the answer to the injustices yeah. in the workforce. Yeah, I think I, I think you bring up a good point because I don't think people think about justice in the workforce, right. but it's real. Like yeah. there is so much injustice in terms of access and opportunity. You think about, I'll just give you a simple thing that we talk about a lot of times, this idea of the paper ceiling, that sometimes people will not opportunities are not made available if you don't have a degree but really the emphasis should be what about the skills mm -hmm. so i may not have a degree but if i come out the military and i've gotten these skills i understand um uh, distribution i understand logistics but i don't have a degree you know i've got the skills mm -hmm. am i not valuable to your organization mm -hmm. Uh, or are you just going to create this artificial uh, barrier for me and so i think it's about how do we help um and and how do we help organizations realize to get out your own way because you're you're underperforming because you don't have your best people mm. um, in the space yeah. because you you're you're defining best the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this has been. <laughs> I have a lot more questions. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Just I think stay. I'll stay for part two. I'll be back for part two. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Yes, thank you. And thank you, you know, for just um, just sharing your insights on workforce equity, but also entrepreneurship. Yeah. Because I think those are two areas that, you know, we continue to um, really uncover and help people um, access, have mm -hmm. uh, gain access. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to have to end this conversation now. Yeah. We may have Curtis Myers back. We um, might. We might just do that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for joining us. I'm Erica Lee. And I'm Tanya Breland.